the driverless car, the traderless fund, I guess, is the analogy. It is coming, and whether it's a million miles on the Google car or whether it's, you know, the Jeopardy contest, it's now three years, February 14th, since Watson beat Ken Jennings and Brad Reuter in that contest. Things are happening, and, and you never quite know when you're in the midst of it that it's happening or when the turning point comes. But let's keep an eye out because perhaps 2014, as we look back in the great span of time, was when all this started to happen, at least in respect of the hedge fund industry. Hi, this is Dave Sanderson, founder and CEO of KFL Capital Management. You're listening to my year in review on Top Traders Unplugged. Imagine spending an hour with the world's greatest traders. Imagine learning from their experiences, their successes, and their failures. Imagine no more. Welcome to Top Traders Unplugged, the place where you can learn from the best hedge fund managers in the world so you can take your manager due diligence or investment career to the next level. Here's your host, veteran hedge fund manager, Niels Kostrup Larsen. Welcome back, Dave, for this review of 2014, where we look at the big events from the point of view of your trading strategy. Now, I want to explore the ups and the downs, as well as the big takeaway from what can only be described as a great year for systematic trading strategies in general. But as we know, just because you're systematic in your trading, it doesn't mean that necessarily your strategy will deal with the market events in the same way. And clearly, in your case, it probably won't because you do things very differently to many of my previous guests. So let's just jump right into it. Tell me about 2014 from your perspective. How did the year evolve, both from the strategy's point of view, but also from your firm's point of view? Well, as you know, Niels, uh, this was our first year of trading under the public eye. So it's it's not as if I can compare this year with many other years, uh, but it certainly was a year where um, it was a great test for the strategy. Sure. Now, I say that, and, and since you and I talked last time, it's really caused me to think about the broader perspective of systematic traders, and you know, you're so right to characterize them as having a great year. You asked me a good question last time about the books I was reading, and it strikes me that <laughs> 2014 may be viewed as the year of the machines or the start of this phase of the machines. Sure. I think about the innovators and the second machine age and Jim Mellon's just written a book called Fast Forward, uh, which I think is fabulous and zero to one. And then we see who's really done well in 2014. And it is, as you say, the systematic traders and more interesting to us, those who use fairly complex machine learning algorithms to trade these markets so it's a really um i think you know it's nice to have a deep science underneath the firm but it's nice to get lucky too and i think we're lucky in the sense that we're in a phase where people are going to be talking about this kind of trading and folks like two sigma with their returns last year being off the charts are going to do 
us all a huge favor. So sorry for rambling. I'm not sh- what was the original <laughs> question? No, I was just, well, I mean, it's, it's fine, uh, Dave. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I was sort of curious to uh, a little bit about how your strategy uh, dealt with some of the events from really just sort of a, a 30,000 feet uh, point of view at this stage. Um, um, you know, despite it being the first year, it's obviously a very important year. Um, so were there anything that you felt um, when you look back and you look back at the numbers that uh, sort of surprised you in, in general or was it really as expected? Uh, so what surprised us was the consistency of the statistics mm-hmm. after the entire year was over. Sure. When you peel it back and, and we're always very keen to see what's happening in the portfolio and what did we expect to happen. So as you know, our back test is five years long across 15 different assets. So we have 12,000 or more than that actually trades in our back test and we're always judging the live record in reference to that back test. And sure. it was incredibly close and that's very, um, very comforting to us. So there were a lot of economic events mm-hmm. this past year, as there seems to always be, and you can never quite anticipate them at the beginning of the year. But despite all of that, the core statistics that we look at were incredibly similar to our back test, and in fact, a little bit more positive. So for example, we had 67% of our days were positive mm-hmm. days. And 75% of our months were positive, and that's very consistent with the back test. Sure. Also, the key metric that we used that I shared with you last time, this idea of a coin toss ratio, yeah. this combined accuracy number, in our back test was 54%, and then this year of trading was 54%. So we love that. The sharp was 2.5, which is a little higher than our back test. Sure. And the sortino was 3.3, which again is a little higher than our back test. Sure. Um, so... In general, we step back and we say, okay, regardless of all the exogenous events, those as long as we get enough trades, and in 2014 it was 1,826 trades, sure. as long as we get enough trades, um, our edge should reveal itself, and it did, so that's very comforting. And, and I guess that's actually really important, uh, especially when people want to understand a strategy in a firm like you, that it really is the, the statistics that matters and dealing with, you know, different events, uh, some of them very big events, um, but actually coming out with numbers that are so consistent with what you expect, uh, I I can imagine that that must be very pleasing. Now, I do want to ask you about, even though you may not look at this as being important, uh, I do want to ask you a little bit about which markets were the biggest contributors, both on the the positive side, but also on the negative side, if you remember. Sure. Yeah, I do. In fact, um, I can share with you exactly what those were. Um, And, and, you know, you make a great point there about the statistics and how we focus on them. But I must make an admission to you as I look at the portfolio too often. (laughs) I still have those human reactions that the scientists don't have. Our scientific team doesn't look at the portfolio very often. Yeah, uh, it's the portfolio management team that does, and, <laughs> and unfortunately, we react like most humans do. When we're up, it feels good, and when we're down, it feels five times as much pain as, sure. as when we're up. But sure. uh, so our leading markets this year were the Nasdaq and the S and P 500. Mm-hmm. Um, by far, they were 
you know, 70% of net profits, let's say. Okay. Right behind that was oil and gold and uh, soy oil, copper, and so on. The losing markets were um, corn, silver, and soy meal. Okay. So, yeah. Again, it, it was, you know, we trade 12 assets at this point. Sure. Nine of them were positive and three of them were negative. Yeah. And um, when you look at the statistics, do you do you drill down to the level of saying actually we should we would have expected to do a little bit differently in this market given what happened, or as long as the overall statistics are in line, you're okay with that? Yeah. Well, what we look at is the coin toss ratio for each market. Okay. And I can tell you that the range for the year at the high end was 63.4%. Okay. That was the S&P 500. And at the low end, there were two underneath 50. And that's what we get concerned about. If something has a coin toss ratio over a significant number of trades mm. under 50%, then we have to analyze why that's happening. So there were two under 50. One of them was silver and one of them was uh, soy. One of the soy contracts, so right. trade three. Um, and in those cases, the only sort of rationalization for us, and I hope it's not a rationalization, is um, there just weren't enough trades to come into that 54% right. coin toss ratio. So in the case of one of the soys, it was 206 trades. Right. And in the case of silver, it was 117. So we, we won't make any changes based on that. We okay. fully expect over a greater sample size that those are going to evolve to the 54. Sure. And you can sort of see as you aggregate all those trades to 1,800, the coin toss ratio becomes very, very close to that 54%. And remind me, Dave, is it a thousand trades you ideally need in order to say, right, as long as we're at 54 over a thousand trades, or what is the number uh, that these numbers you mentioned just before has to relate to? Hmm. I, I should know that answer off the top of my head, Neil. Sure. I think the reason you picked a thousand was that when we went to validate the yeah. technology, we, we accumulated a thousand trades. Now, right. that was just the you know, sort of investment guys saying, please get us a thousand trades because the industry right. will leave us. So I don't think that is the magic number sure. and I'd have to get back to you. No, that's fine. That's fine. I would rather people call you and find out the answer than that <laughs> sure. probably gives better dialogue. Um, now, there were obviously some events, some themes and um, that played a big role. Obviously, Ukraine, Russia, oil at, at certain uh, times during the year. Were there any periods during the year where you saw um, either above or below average returns that you could influence or tie back to some of these events? Or uh, was it really a year as, I would almost say, as, as, as usual for you guys? Yeah, you know, it's, it's difficult for us to do that because of the underlying scientific rigor we have. Yeah for the whole system. So if I was to say to you, for example, just me looking at the results, I'd say, well, gee, we made a lot of money in oil in the second half of the year. Yeah. Um, you know, that would not surprise anybody, I suppose, from, you know, July and August sure. on, there was sure. a lot of volatility. Sure. And, and also a lot of folks who trend trade, that was a perfect trade for them. 
But the scientific team would be upset with me if I made that connection because really you can't make a robust <laughs> statistical inference from it. So we have this sort of yin and yang around our place where we try we sometimes slip into the vernacular of the industry and then I'm told by the science guys, hmm, you shouldn't say that because that's not sustainable on a very, you know, in a, in a way that we have statistical confidence. So um, as I look at, at the sheet in front of me, I can tell you we made lots of money in oil in the second half of the year. We made lots of money in the equities virtually all throughout the year. Um, but it's very hard to draw conclusions that are sure. connected to the events of the day. But what strikes me, actually, when I look at the returns that uh, obviously I was provided before we're having this conversation, you had a very, very strong first part of the year. In fact, the first five months was incredibly strong. And, and actually, most trend followers were struggling. Trend followers made money in the second half. You really seem to have done really well in the first few months. How do you, I mean, is there anything in that that makes uh, a good conversation point, so to speak? Yeah, that's, no, it's a great, it's a great point. Some of our investors are wondering the same thing, yeah. particularly where, as you and I chatted last time, we would suspect that higher volatility is good for us because right. if you make money on 50% of your trades, Yeah. Then in higher vol markets, you're going to make a lot more money. Well, the second half of the year was much higher vol than the first half of the yeah. year, and yet we didn't make nearly as much money. So um, if I was able to say, you know, if we were having this conversation 20 years from now, mm -hmm. we could make some <laughs> statistical conclusions about that. But sure. I'm sorry I can't, although I must say I'm scratching my head yeah. about it, saying, yeah, yeah just that's odd. Sure. But you know that's that's the way it is. That's uh, interesting enough. Is there, I do like. Yeah. Sorry, I do yeah. like the fact that, as you've pointed out, there appears to be an absence of correlation between us and other CTAs, or if you want to get more specific, us and other systematic traders, or us and trend followers. I think that's a, mm. a a nice thing to point out to people who are allocating capital. Is you can make an allocation in this space and yet not, you know have the same return pattern as others you've allocated to. Yeah, no, that's very true. Um, when you look back at 2014, what's the highlight for you on all matter, on all levels, really, whether it's, you know, the firm as a whole or the strategy as a whole? Well, what's what 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 makes you smile when you look back at 2014? <laughs> I think our one year birthday party. Okay, is, is the point at which I, I kind of felt it all happening um, in front of me. So it was a one-year birthday party that occurred in November, uh, or sorry, in December, because at the end of November, we had 12 months of trading in our, in our public vehicle, I call mm. it. So we had a little party in Toronto, and Bart Kellerman was there from the Battle of the Quants. And all right. Nice. Folks from Jeffries came up, and so it was just a room full of people that were supporters and watchers of us. And then our chief scientist Gary Lee gave an incredible, uh, not a speech, but just a, um, a talk. And it was very apparent to everybody in the room that this was something deeper, more profound, more meaningful, perhaps than um, than the hedge fund business veneer that's on this thing and it was very much the case that Gary was sharing his gratitude about the ability to work on such a difficult project mm. 
And, you know, he even talked about the support of his wife because here's a guy in the prime of his career that was being asked by Dr. Wong, the founder of the Pattern Analysis and Machine Intelligence Lab five years ago, to spend his precious career on a data set that had confounded most people. So he was nervous about going down this road. And after now 2,800 live trades, he certainly feels like um, he's made some really profound breakthroughs. And so it was great to see it from that perspective. And there was a couple of people who, who you know, at one point in the talk, Gary choked up. It was sure. apparent to him that it was very emotional. Sure. And you could hear a pin drop in that place, Niels. It was not the normal situation where people are checking their Blackberries and <laughs> distracted because here's the sort of quote-unquote quant guy and he's going to talk about numbers. Right. Here was the quant guy and he had everybody, you know, fighting back some tears. It was, uh, it was pretty cool. Sure. Sounds, sounds, sounds very... Uh... Very as a very important moment uh, for you guys. Were there any? Um, I mean, did, did you make any new findings, if I can put it that way, during the year, or has the model pretty much been fixed in stone uh, throughout 2014? Um, and are you looking at something exciting for the beginning of 15? Maybe new markets to add, or or how does that side look? Yeah, there were a couple of uh, very interesting and exciting um, movements ahead in the predictor. Okay. Not so much in terms of the machine learning and pattern recognition. Right. But, for example, there were a couple of pre-processing uh, improvements that we did. The mm -hmm. data, the historical data from Thomson Reuters has... Uh, you know, no matter what provider you get it from, needs a lot of attention, of yeah. course. And, and uh, anyway, there were a couple of breakthroughs in that um, category. And then uh, very recently, there was a breakthrough in terms of the independent variables that we feed the model. So I, I think I shared with you last time, we use the target asset and 49 yeah. independent variables. Yeah. Well, we've actually reduced that just recently by four variables and substituted some variables um, and found that it adds almost 1% to the coin toss ratio. So that okay. is a very big um, sure. sort of step movement in, sure. our, in our program. It's something that we knew held some opportunity, but with all the things the science team had to do, it was uh, only in 2014 that we were able to get to that list and make some principle-based improvements to it. Yeah. What about from the business side with with systematic traders in general doing better, uh, with you guys coming out with a clearly different strategy um, but delivering very solid returns, did the conversations change towards the end of the year? Did you feel or have you not sort of seen that yet maybe happening or, or how do you how do you feel the the attitude from investors in general towards you and and the space uh, is is at the moment i did feel it change it okay. was almost first half second half okay and so in the first half um i would say we were in a segment of the market that was unloved but um and, and not doing fantastic on a performance basis so our our most interesting attribute was the ability to perform in right. that sector. Yeah, so that's sure. one that's one kind of life to live. 
Or conversely, would you rather be in a sector that's hot and you're a good story in a sector that's hot, but your performance doesn't stand out stand out as much as it did? Yeah, that was the second half. Yeah, of the true. Year. And and I would actually. Um, prefer the second half. I'd rather be in the hot sector yeah. with a good story yeah. than, you know, the only, not the only, but a standout sure. performer in a sector that people are trying to allocate away from. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. Um, and speaking about that, you know, clearly um, it is likely that uh, there could be a, a renewed interest and, and, and hopefully some, you know, new flows into uh, the space uh, after this uh, uh, 2014. Um, but as, 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 and I know you didn't uh, trade money at the time, but obviously were involved in the, in the industry. And you know that subsequent to 2008, there was a big inflow in the industry and then there was a big outflow because people got disappointed. Now, from your point of view, and clearly you obviously want to take in as much as you probably can, but... But the quality of the investors that you're looking for, um, knowing full well that it's not it's not healthy for anyone uh, to get investors in quickly and only to see them leave very early on. How how do you expect to try and deal with that? Uh, because there could be some hot money uh, flowing uh, flowing you know to this sector, and and you guys might be well you know in line for that, given the fact that you're different given the fact you had a great year, given the fact that you performed so well at times where other people didn't during the year. How do, how do, you, have, do you have any thoughts about how you are going to try and avoid uh, the, the hot money in and out? Yes. So first of all, it'll be a luxurious problem to have. Sure. Uh, no, but I, but I do like think that. it's possible. Uh, you know, you called it a renewed interest, I think. I would add another word sure. and, and say that it's also going to be a refined Interest, And by that, sure. I mean the first sort of time around that artificial intelligence was talked about, it got hyped up and then people got disappointed. And that's the normal curve in technology. Right. Um, and this is at least the second go around of yeah. that. And so the, I think the interest now is becoming more refined. You okay. can't just say, oh, we're an artificial intelligence firm. People come back with, well, you know, be more specific for me. What are you doing? And so I think the investors are more refined and I don't want to say educated because that gives the wrong yeah, idea, no, but their questions are better, they're crisper. And so perhaps that's going to provide a different kind of investor that, that stays around for the longer term. Mm. Uh, but you raise a great point. Uh, we have been counseled by firms in this industry that have done very well over the years. They're very um, giving of their time and their guidance. Sure. And they, one thing they keep saying to us is don't make that mistake. Don't grow too fast. And yeah. so uh, we want to be in this business for a very long time and, and hopefully we'll have the discipline. If the challenge does arise, we'll have yeah. the discipline to do it do it properly sure no, i absolutely appreciate that now I, I only got one sort of last question uh left um because it is a short uh review this time but is there anything that you would like to to bring up and and just maybe it could be a reminder or it could be something that just stood out for you uh or just something that is important to you that you want to share with uh, with the audience at this stage? Yes, um, and, and you made me think about it last time mm -hmm. with, with those two interviews, and that is we, I, I believe we are in the second age of the machine, mm -hmm. 
and that there are things happening now that are expressing themselves definitely in the CTA space. Folks who are in the algorithmic-based prediction systematic trading category are Mm. doing some wonderful things. So I want to be, and we at KFL want to be part of that uh, I don't know if it's a resurgence or, you know, for the first time, but we want to be part of it. And I would say anybody who's looking around this space, uh, perhaps hold the idea that this is a very interesting time where some very um, interesting firms are being built and some technologies are going to do some things that are are in the great span of time seen to be perhaps, um, you know, a turning point maybe sounds too dramatic, but... There's a lot of really interesting things going on that are expressing themselves in the CTA space. And I would encourage everybody when they hear a good story from what's called loosely a scientific or computer-based trading firm to just uh, ask a few more questions and have an open mind because we've met some great people and um, it's in all our interests for this sector or this industry to rise to its appropriate place you know i mean i think that's a good point the other point just off the cuff that i i wanted to 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 share since uh, i mean clearly we know that systematic traders in general uh, we we never get a warm reception from people because it is a little bit against their nature uh, for whatever reason that we uh, we use computers even though we don't i mean certainly for the most part only use them to implement trades now you take that step you take that even further in your business because you have the computers uh, make the decisions uh, without human intervention um, as as well but i just wonder i wonder if 2015 is the year where in california they allow uh, self-driving cars to to be uh, to be freely driven uh, instead of just the test cars which are running uh, around. And I just wonder what the psychological effect will be once we start seeing cars driving around without a, a human, whether that will slowly change, hopefully quickly change, people's perception about what we do. The fact that you don't have to fear technology, you don't have to fear the computer when it comes to investing because we know that people embrace it in other in in other businesses you know like flying a plane uh, in in pitch dark from from the US to Europe you don't want to do that without an autopilot and a, and a computer to guide you but as soon as it comes to investing it becomes slightly harder to convince people so i just wonder whether mm. whether we need to get to that point where we see it in our day-to-day environment and we feel okay well you know if they can drive a car with a computer Maybe they can even pick stocks and futures. I don't know. <laughs> you know, you've, you're, you're reading my mind. That's a great point. The driverless car, the traderless fund, yeah. I guess, is the analogy. And Jim Mellon does a great job in his book, Fast Forward. He points out that there is a chip coming out with 5.4 billion transistors on it, on a single chip. It's called True North. That is just incredible. So your point is, should we fear it or what's going to make it um, more mainstream perhaps? I think you're right. There is a general fear of it with flash crashes. And even I'm still in conversations where people talk about long-term capital management. So (laughs) there is a general fear out there and and that's a legitimate fear. So it is coming and whether it's a million miles on the Google car or whether it's the Watson 
you know, the Jeopardy contest. It's now three years, February 14th, since Watson beat Ken Jennings and Brad Reuter in that contest. Or even in 2014, we had, although it's a little bit controversial, the first Turing test where a computer fooled greater than 33% of the audience that it was a human being. Uh, you know, things are happening and, and you never quite know when you're in the midst of it that it's happening or when the turning point comes. But as I was trying to say, but you said more articulately, let's keep an eye out because perhaps 2014, as we look back in the great span of time, was when all this started to happen, at least in respect of the hedge fund industry. Sure. Absolutely. Dave, unfortunately, our time today for this short period is is, is, is up. Um, but of course, for those who want to hear a much longer conversation between ourselves, they can go back and listen to, to those uh, episodes on Top Traders Unplugged. I do want to thank you, though, again, for being on the podcast, uh, for sharing your insights. And I certainly want to congratulate you on a very solid year and, and your first full year. And I want to wish you and, and, and your partners the very best for the coming years. And I look forward to uh, reconnecting uh, later in 2015 well thanks Niels and thanks for everything you're doing you're doing a, a great service to the industry and I know it's your passion so it's not work for you but it's a great thing you're doing thank you so much all the best and, and take care Dave bye 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 thanks for listening to Top Traders Unplugged if you feel you learned something of value from today's episode, the best way to stay updated is to go on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show so that you'll be sure to get all the new episodes as they're released. We have some amazing guests lined up for you. And to ensure our show continues to grow, please leave us an honest rating and review in iTunes. It only takes a minute and it's the best way to show us you love the podcast. We'll see you next time on Top Traders Unplugged.